Hello and welcome to Sync Music Matters, a podcast that explores the beautiful relationship between music and the moving image. Hi there, and welcome to the first in a series of Musical Musings. So these are slightly different to the usual podcast format in that I'm not actually interviewing anyone. It's just me talking. Um, I suppose in a way I'm interviewing myself or maybe even interrogating myself. So Musical Musings began some time ago when I literally just sort of started writing about my experiences in the music industry and my sort of thoughts and ideas, um, as much as anything, as a, a kind of therapeutic process, a sort of catharsis of expressing what was going on in my head. But what became quickly apparent was actually that they might be useful for other people. So I started to publish them on my blog. And specifically, I, I, ha- I run an internship programme and I have, well... The demand for the internship program massively outstrips supply. But I did think that, you know, what if I publish these musical musings and hopefully the people that I can't offer an internship to can kind of hopefully draw on my kind of ideas and insights and hopefully maybe integrate them and learn from them and, and you know, learn from my experiences and, and my failings. Um, so, yeah, musical musings were born. This is the first audio version of a musical musing. Um, So yeah, so without further ado, let's dive in. And this musical musing is all about finding your creative voice. Now, whilst obviously we are talking about music, I think when it comes to finding your creative voice, this kind of applies to any creative discipline. Um, So hopefully, you know, this is this is useful for anyone who creates in any way, shape or form. So during the course of a lot of the podcast interviews, Something that keeps coming up, a recurring theme, is finding your creative voice. Well, so Stephen Warbeck, in episode number one, he was talking about basically the creative voice is is part of your personality that comes through in your work. Now, Stephen was approached by director Philip Kaufman, who said that he wanted some music as bonkers as Stephen was. I might be paraphrasing the word bonkers, but he ultimately approached Stephen to score a film because he wanted Stephen's unique approach and quirky points of view and personality to come through in the music. Um, So that was kind of an interesting insight that, you know, actually our music does have a personality and that personality is probably an extension of ourselves. In episode two, I was talking to... um, games composer and sound designer Todd Baker. Now, Todd talked about his experiences of um, at college, so when he was first sort of learning how to sort of produce his own music. Um, and he said that there was a clear distinction between the people that were doing his course. On the one hand, you had people who already had a very distinct creative voice. Uh, and then on the other hand, you had people who were very much sort of discovering it. And he put himself in the camp of discovery. He talked about basically sort of focusing on the mechanics of producing music. So, you know, writing, arranging, exploring harmony and modes, um, mixing. And then once he'd mastered the mechanics of music, that then freed him up to explore his creative voice a little bit and find a unique tone, which if you listen to Todd Baker's music, um, you'll definitely hear there's a very kind of unique flavour and tone to it. And this is interesting because I kind of often relate music to, to be like driving a car. If you drive a car in the UK, you'll know that um, the vast vast majority of cars are manual gears um, or driving stick if you're in the US. Now, when you first, as a 17-year-old kid, when you first jump in a car and you have to then sort of get your head around, okay, right foot's doing the accelerator, the left foot's doing the clutch, the right foot's also doing the um, 
the, the brake, but I've got to get biting point between the clutch and the accelerator whilst also changing gear and then also steering. And uh, it's kind of overwhelming because there's a lot to think about. And we're not even on the road yet thinking about, you know, what's going on around us. So there's a freedom that comes from learning the mechanics of the car and being able to do that without thinking that then frees you up to focus on the road. And I think that is what Todd was relating to in his journey. And I definitely kind of associate with that as well myself. I have spent a lot of time working on my writing, getting my production sounding good, getting my mixes sounding, you know, comparable to stuff I might see here in films or, or on Spotify. And now I'm getting to a point where I feel I'm mastering those. Obviously, I will still be learning and mastering them till the day I die. But getting to the point where I'm freeing up a bit of headspace to be able to go, OK, let's talk about creative voice. Now, some people will sort of go, well, yeah, but can you ever really create something new musically? Because after all, there's only so many notes and there's only so many combinations of those notes. And I definitely kind of understand that. Um, creative coach Mark McGuinness would sort of counter that by saying that we are all shaped by the art that we're exposed to throughout our lives. Uh, certain art will resonate with us and other stuff will not. And that will influence how we create. Um, so everyone's got these different influences, um, but it's actually the nuances between those influences and the way that we draw on them and the way that we combine them that ultimately creates something unique, which is a very interesting concept. The idea that no one person will ever have exactly the same influences, even if they did have the same influences, they wouldn't draw on those influences in the same way. So it, is it that unique combination of influences that is our creative voice? Is that part of the personality that Stephen Warbeck talked about? And interestingly, even with Mike Holiday, who is a comedy editor, um, he was also talking about, you know, the composers that he works with have a very distinct voice. You know, you, you would hear a piece of music and you would know it was by them. Um, and he thinks also that actually editors, to a certain extent, have that same sort of creative voice. Deadmau5, <laughs> I always want to call him Deadmau5, Deadmau5, there's a great quote from him. He says that every music producer copies, but good producers copy in new ways. And I think that's also, those new ways is sort of drawing on, you know, that's where you can add that sort of unique creative voice. Um, so, you know, by that reasoning, everybody has um, a creative voice. You'll notice that so far I've been talking about finding a creative voice. Um, the creative coach Peleg Top introduced me to kind of a revolutionary new way of sort of looking at this, a sort of very interesting distinction, is that you don't find your creative voice, you hear it. So you don't find your creative voice, you hear it. That really resonated with me because it kind of reframes your creative voice as something that already exists within you rather than being something you have to go out and find. So I love the idea that the creative voice is something intrinsic rather than extrinsic, which sort of then got me thinking about, you know, finding my creative voice in a very different way. So I've now, instead of sort of looking for my creative voice, I'm kind of listening for it. I actually wonder whether that is slightly flawed, because I wonder whether hearing your creative voice is less about the final product, which is, you know, if you're listening for something, you're listening to the final product, trying to listen to a unique style. I wonder whether actually hearing your creative voice is less about that than it is about the way we approach creativity in the first place. So it's not about the end product, it's about the beginning. And a really interesting distinction I've been introduced actually really just in the last couple of weeks is the idea of creating from the heart versus creating from the head. Now, bear with me here. I'm going to get pretty woo-woo. Um, but 
you know, we can create from the heart. And I think when we're talking about creating from the heart, we're talking about creating with emotion. We're tapping into and channeling emotion. So when Adele writes and performs a song, she is the queen of being able to tap into raw emotion and deliver that, perform that raw emotion, which is why she resonates with so many people. So she's very much creating from the heart. It's an interesting concept, um, but it's also in the interview with Isabella Waller-Bridge, what became very clear with her is that when she sits down to create music, she's not really thinking about the end product. She's in the there and the now, and she's going like, what emotion am I trying to tap into? What's my inspiration in this moment here and now? And I wonder whether that is the true kind of source of your creative voice. It's really looking at, at where you are creating from and how you are channeling and focusing emotion. And given that, you know, when we're, you know, creating any art, but specifically music, it's all about eliciting emotion in the listener. So the more emotion that we can draw on to create a piece of music in the first place, hopefully then the more emotion we can elicit in the listener. So there you go. That's my musical musing on finding the creative voice, or rather hearing the creative voice. Um, I don't actually have an answer. It's literally just sort of me thinking out loud. Um, but hopefully that's been interesting and, you know, there are some insights in there for, for you to apply um, as a creative in uh, your creative endeavours. I'll be back with another musical musing very soon, um, but stay tuned because there's more uh, incredible guests to come on Sync Music Matters including uh, Jules Bromley of Evolving Sound. Uh, we've got Danny Mulhern, who is a, an artist and composer, and we go very deep with Danny because he's a really philosophical cat. Um, I have a fascinating conversation with uh, Nanita Desai, who, if you've watched Netflix recently, you've probably heard some of her stuff. Uh, one of the big ones is um, 14 Peaks. So um, stay tuned. There's loads of interesting, exciting guests to come um, and some more musical musings. Until then, keep making music, or art, or doing whatever it is you do.